another edition of the Sportsaholics podcast with myself, Sean Conway, and along for the ride is Max Zucker. Max, a lot of things to be excited for. It's the holiday season. The bowl season's coming up. Yes. Uh, we, we, you know, the off season for the MLB is heating up. We have a lot to talk about. And, you know, for me, actually, too, I'm excited this for this weekend. The release of Episode Nine for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, should be the end of this sequel trilogy. I'm pretty yes. excited for it. I'm trying to convince Lindsay to let us go on Friday night. She wants to wait till after Christmas, and I don't think I can wait that long. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to wait for. As you well know, I'm a big uh, Star Wars guy, too. I can't wait for this last episode. It's going to be a good one. Just like our show today, like you said, there's a lot to talk about, Sean Conway. Uh, plenty of subjects, but before we get into it, how was your week? It wasn't too bad, you know. I got... I, you know, I'm just getting back into the swing of things at work. It was, it was a slow start to the month, but this last couple of days, it was it was a good uh, tempo, a lot of you know, a lot of customers. So it was feeling good the last few days at work, and uh, kind of carried over into a productive day off here at home. I was cleaning before uh, getting ready for the show today. Nice, very nice. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm about to wrap up my week here at work on Friday, and then I get my two week Christmas break as being a teacher. That is one of the luxuries. We do get a little bit of time off coming up. That is nice. I have a total of uh, two days that I'm taking off for the holidays this uh, this this upcoming week, and that's Christmas Eve, and then the day after Christmas, I'm going to be late to work by a few hours. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't have much time, and it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of windshield time. But tis the holiday season. Yes, yes, busy, busy, and in the car sales business, this is a good time to make some of those sales and add to that checkerooski, sir. Anyways, let's get on to the show today. We, obviously, last week we talked about the Heisman finalist. It was Mr. Joe Burrow from LSU. Any surprise there, Sean, that he was nominated? For yeah, this. no surprise. It was really his his season for the taking for the Heisman. You know, no one's really gonna you know come up to him. He had forty eight touchdowns and over forty seven hundred passing yards, and on top of that, a few uh, rushing touchdowns and some uh, a hefty amount of ru- rushing yards to boot with that as well. He had the Heisman best in seventy seven point nine percent in completion rating. He just had a stellar year, hands down. The reason why LSU is number one. I mean, there's more reasons why they're number one, but led the team to a number one finish on the regular season. And honestly, I'm not surprised. No, like you said, you know, there's a lot of components to LSU, but he was the main component. He was the main drive. There's a reason why they beat five ranked teams this year. And I'll give you one stat that I found really astonishing, Sean Conway. He completed 59 of 77 passes for 772 yards and seven touchdowns against both Alabama and Georgia. So to do that against both of those uh, schools, that's a—I mean—that's just dominance. That's dominance against two of the best programs in this country. He also uh, has the most single-season yardage for passing in the SEC, and he tied the single-season mark at 44, uh, not including the SEC championship game where he had again another four touchdowns. Exactly. Exactly. So, Joe Burrow will be playing in the college football playoffs. That ball, though, is quite a ways away. We've got some time before the the two play-in games for the national title game happen. We're going to go through a quick rundown of the rest of those games, the really unimportant bowls with the wacky names we joked about last week. <laughs> and we're, gonna, we're just going to do a quick run-through, kind of a, a bowl pool between Max and I, to see who has the best record in guessing 
at the end of this. So we're going to go from the, the first one that's the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl that's coming on Friday. And the last one we'll go with will be the... I think that would be... The Lending Tree Bowl before the championship, I believe. Yes. Yes. But we, we'll, skip, we'll be skipping the playoff games in that in that process right yes because those games are have obviously a lot more value than these other bowl games sean conley's like you said these are the funny kind of you know <laughs> you know whatever you may you won six games at least to qualify those other games are the more prestigious games and we'll get into more depth and breakdown but sean conley let's start going through that list like you said this friday it starts it all with the markers wanted bahamas bowl buffalo charlotte who do you got this is the Makers Wanted. Let's make that correct so we don't yes, get sued makers by the wanted, for, sorry. For, for not proper sponsorship. So yes. Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl versus Buffalo and Charlotte. You know, I don't know much about either of these two teams, so if I had to pick, I'm just gonna go with I'm gonna go with Charlotte as a as an homage to my buddy who lives out in Charlotte, Pat Howard. Cool. Uh, uh, well, the Buffalo Bills are kind of having a good year, so I'll just go Buffalo. <laughs> okay. Max picks Buffalo. I pick Charlotte. Let's move on. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. This is the one that Max tricked me on. I knew the Frisco Bowl was a real bowl, but I thought he was changing just with the name of the sponsor was for this year. So uh, we have Utah State versus Kent State. Max, who do you got? I got Utah State. Utah State. Okay. And you know what? I'm going to go with Kent State because they are Nick Saban's alma mater. Cool. Hail Saban. Fair enough. Celebration Bowl, Sean. Elkhorn State, North Carolina, A&T. I got to go Elkhorn State on this one. Elkhorn State. Yeah, you know what? I'll go Elkhorn State as well. Very cool. Very cool. I know this one's one of your favorites every year. The New Mexico Bowl. Central Michigan, San Diego State. Uh, I'll go San Diego State. Okay. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Central Michigan. Nice. Nice. F. B.C. Mortgage Cure Bowl Liberty Georgia Southern. Uh oh man, Liberty! I remember I saw you played Liberty when we were in college. I think you and I went to that game, didn't we? Yeah, I was gonna say I think we did. We might have been a little schnackered, but hey, either way, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll yeah, go Liberty. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, Liberty, I'll, yeah, let's yeah. go both go Liberty because they played the dogs. They played the dogs, like it. Oh, gosh, you know, this is one of my favorites, Sean Conway. The Sherry Bunny, Boca Raton Bowl, SMU, Florida Atlantic. I have no idea. I'll just go Florida Atlantic. Uh, I'll go SMU. Cool. Camellia Bowl. Just, just, just for, you know, argumentative purposes. Sure. Camellia Bowl. Let's go with, uh, I'll go Arkansas State. I'll go Florida International. Sounds good to me. Uh, the Mississippi teams in these ones I see. Yeah, a lot of Florida. A little bias here, huh? Uh, Mississippi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. I wonder where that's held. <laughs> um, Navy and Washington. No, just joking. But Washington and Boise State are the two teams. I'll I'm take going Boise. Washington. I gotta go Boise State. Real quick, uh, one on this one. Uh, Chris Peterson, the longtime coach of Boise State, and the longtime. Coach now of Washington. This will be his final game as he's stepping down from Washington. So this will be a fun one. This will be a fun one. All right. All right. And wrapping out the first weekend of bowls, we got the bad boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. We got Central Florida, the uh, the, the claimed national title winners, 
from a few years back, and Marshall going head to head. Who are you? Are you actually no? Whoops, I, I skipped one, didn't I? Yeah, so I was gonna say we missed one. The RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, uh, which is Appalachian yes. State and UAB. No big deal. I'll go. That's I'll the go. last one for the weekend. Yes, that's the last one of the weekend. Before then, we hit the, the bad boy mowers one. Uh, I'll just take Appalachian State. Okay, you take App State. I will take UAB just for argumentative purposes, and I got some family in Birmingham, so fair why enough. Not? Fair enough. Now to the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla yes. Bowl. Yes, yes. I'll go UCF for the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla okay. Bowl. Uh, I don't think an argument's UCF. They have a pretty strong program. So we'll go UCF in that one, Bowl. Yeah, All Christmas right. Eve. You taking the Mormons or the Hawaiians? Yeah, on Christmas the Eve. SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Yes, yes, yes. Solo Fi Hawaii Bowl Christmas Eve. Ah, get the heck. I'll take the Rainbow Warriors. Go Hawaii. Okay. Who do you got? Um, Who do you I'm got? Gonna go, I'm going to go with the Mormons. Okay, Hawaiians versus Mormons. Fair enough. Day after Christmas, Sean, we got two games. First one, walk-on Independence Bowl, Louisiana Tech versus Miami. And that's Miami, Florida, so that's the U. I'm going to go with uh, yes. I'm gonna go with the U. Uh, I'll go with the U, too. That sounds about right. And then for the quick lane bowl on the 26th, Pittsburgh versus Eastern Michigan. I'll go Pittsburgh. Okay, cool. Uh, I, too, am going to take Michigan. Or not Michigan, uh, Pitt. Cool. Alrighty, North Carolina versus Temple. Huh. This is for the military bowl, and I'll go North Carolina. Yeah. Cool. New era. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, these are all been so tough. We we, <laughs> st- we still haven't picked. We still haven't picked for that one. So, where where are you thinking? Where are we where are we going with that one, Max? I'm saying North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, you know what? I'll go with the alma mater of Mitch Trubisky. He's 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 starting oh, to turn around a little bit. Let's go with UNC. Both of us. Fair enough. The one last of my... three ones we picked the same ones, so that's not really fair in the uh, in the record count at the end. But you know what? Who gives a crap? It's for the crap bowl games. <laughs> Who cares exactly? New All era right. pinstripe bowl, Michigan State and Wake Forest. I'll go Wake Forest in this game. Okay, that's for argument of purpose. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Michigan State. Excellent, excellent, excellent. What do we got next? Next up, we got the Academy Sports and Outdoor Texas Bowl between Oklahoma State and Texas A and M. Ooh, that's actually a better bowl game. I'll go Oklahoma yeah. State. Okay, you're going to take Oklahoma State. I will take A&M just to be argumentative. Sure. Uh, also a pretty good one. The SDCCU Holiday Bowl. We got the <laughs> Trojans from the University of South Carolina taking on the Hawkeyes of Iowa. If that Iowa offensive line can hold up, I'll take them against USC. Okay, you take Iowa. I'll take uh, I'll take USC. Alrighty, and next up, of course, Sean Conway is the Cheez It Bowl. Cheez It Bowl, my favorite. I love yes. Cheez It. Yes, Air Force versus Washington State. I'll take Washington State and Anthony Gordon in that game. Yeah, I don't think I can go for Air Force in this one. I'm gonna go with Washington State as well. 
Yes, we have a couple games to discuss on the 28th, and we'll leave the other two off the list. But before those college football playoff games on the 28th, we have the Camping World Bowl. Notre Dame, Iowa State, you know me, Iowa State all the way. Anyone against Notre Dame, go them. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to go for the Fighting Irish. I don't think Ooh. anyone's surprised in that one. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a uh, this is a great one every year. This is the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Cotton Bowl this year is Penn State versus Memphis. I think Penn State will edge Memphis in this one. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a little bit more heavily favored to Penn State in comparison to Memphis. I just don't think that Memphis is as strong as a program as a Big Ten program like Penn State. Right. Right. We'll then move on from those other two college football games for the December 30 games, which starts off with the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Western Kentucky versus Western Michigan. So what do you got, Kentucky or Michigan? <laughs> uh, let's go with the Hilltoppers, because I'm a Hilltopper from a different kind, but you know. <laughs> sure, sure. All right, I'll go Western Michigan. Okay. Fair enough. Franklin, Mississippi State, or Louisville? In, I just said Louisville. Wow, Louisville and <laughs> Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. I like Louisville in this one. They they were a team that was pretty bad last year and it's had a total turnaround this year. Okay, I'm gonna go with the SEC program to dominate them. Gotcha. Next one, Redbox Bowl, Illinois versus California. I'll go with my favorite team here in the Fighting Illini. Alrighty, uh, you know what? I'm not gonna go against our uh, our home state either. I'm gonna go I L L I, I L L and I N I. <laughs> Excellent, well done, well done, sir. Uh, Capital One Orange Bowl. This will be a decent game. Florida versus Virginia. Uh, I'll take Florida, although they might have a couple players, you know, who are going to be sitting out for the draft. So it could be a little bit better of a game, but I'll still take Florida in this one. Okay. Um. I'll go Virginia. Why not? Why not? Sure. What the heck? <laughs> Belk Bowl. Belk the Bowl. Belt bowl. Virginia uh, Tech and Kentucky. Hmm. I'll go VT here. VT? Okay, I'll go Kentucky. Why not? Cool. I know you love this one, Sean. The Tony Tone. the Tiger Sun Bowl. Yes. Woo! Yes, this the bowl Sun Bowl. is more than good. It's great. <laughs> well put well put florida state arizona state uh my grandma lives oh, in correct arizona me, actually, correction this bowl is more than good it's state such a funny guy right there all right i'll go arizona state just to my grandma lives down there okay i'll go fsu <laughs> just because my folks live in florida hey look at that there we go um <laughs> It will be Navy versus Kansas State for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Uh, I'll go Navy. What the heck? Go Navy. Navy. Okay. My, my uh, grandpa was in the Navy. Yeah, I'll go Navy too. Why not? Sure. What the hell? Go military on this one. Nova Home Loans, Arizona Bowl, Wyoming, and Georgia State. Uh, uh, what the heck? Why not for Wyoming? It's not like they have much else Why going on. Why not for Wyoming? That sounds like... That sounds like a like a weird like politician slogan. <laughs> yeah, it does, and it would come in that state of Wyoming as well. So there you go, Wyoming. I'm giving you my edge here. 
All right, I got Georgia State in that one. Cool. Alamo Bowl, Utah and Texas. Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, I'll just I'll go Texas here. Texas, okay, I'll go Utes. Utes, cool. Uh, the January 1st games of 2020 to kick off 2020, Sean Conway, we got the Verbal Citrus Bowl, Michigan and Alabama. I'm presuming you'll go with your team, Alabama, and yeah. I will, I'll, I'll side with you. So there okay, we go. Cool. I hate don't Michigan. Have, don't have to have any arguments on this show today. No, not today. <laughs> no. Alrighty. Uh, for the next one, the Outback Bowl, for just religious purposes, I have to go for, for Minnesota. Uh, so do I actually here. This is, I'm not a big Auburn fan either. And after the way PJ Fleck ran his team this year, uh, go go Michigan or uh, Minnesota. Oh, my favorite one, the granddaddy of them all. Every year, I don't even care as much about the national championship as this one, the Rose Bowl, presented by oh, Northwest. Yeah, I love the Rose Bowl. I get up for the Rose Bowl. I praise the Rose Bowl every year. It's something I love to do. I've watched 14 or 15 consecutive Rose Bowls. Um, and this year, it's going to be a good one. Oregon, Wisconsin. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor's last uh, last game with Wisconsin as a plus one, and he'll do a good job for the Badgers versus Oregon. I agree with you there. I'm not going to go against Wisconsin in this one. They're a strong team. Yes, yes, yes. Sugar Bowl, the All-State Sugar Bowl, Georgia-Baylor. I would think uh, Georgia would wreck Baylor. Oh, hands down. It's not even going to be close. No. This one I stumped you on too last week, Sean Conway. The Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. This one's Boston College in Cincinnati. I'll go BC since my cousin's an alum. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Cincinnati because our old boy Edgar lives in Cincinnati. Oh, cool. Nice. Nice. Tell Edgar I say hi next time you see him. Anyways, TechSlayer. earlier today, actually. Darn, I wish he said hi for me. <laughs> TechSlayer Gator Bowl. Indiana, Tennessee. Uh, I'll, I'll go Big Ten here. I'll go Indiana. Okay. And I will go with my usual siding of the SEC and say the Volunteers give them a good old beatdown. Oh, yeah. This one we talked about, too, last week, Sean Conway. The famous... Idaho Potato Bowl. This is Idaho, Ohio versus Nevada. Wow, this is going to be a whopping potato bowl this year. Um, I'll go hey, Nevada. Potatoes are great. They are, but go Nevada. <laughs> this one. You go Nevada. Okay, I'll go. I'll go Ohio for no rhyme or reason. Cool. Last two games on this list, Sean Conway. Uh, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, which is Southern Mississippi and Tulane. Um, I had no idea when Tulane was last relevant, so go Tulane. Okay, Tulane in that one. They're usually in at least one bowl, I feel. And I'm going to go with Southern Miss just for argumentative purposes. Excellent. Last one, too, I also stumped you on last week was that Lending Tree Bowl, and that is Louisiana versus Miami, Ohio. <laughs> uh, Uncle the Louisiana. Alabama Bowl. <laughs> Uh, you'll go Miami, Ohio? Yes. Okay. And I shall go with Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana. Nice. Well, very nice. Uh, I don't think we have anything else to really discuss. We've put out our bold picks for the year. We'll obviously talk a little bit more in depth about 
the playoffs and the championship when it's due time. And for for here on out, me and Sean will keep a weekly track on who is outdoing the other person in this year's edition of the lovely but crappy bowl games. <laughs> yes. So we're going to take a quick break on the Sportsaholics podcast. On the flip side of this, we'll talk all things NFL as we go into the final two weeks of the regular season with several teams still on the hunt for the postseason. You're listening to the Sportsaholics podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway taking us to break. And as always, it's Jason James with his tune, Danny Be Cool. Take it away, Jason. <laughs> Sportsaholics podcast. Thanks again, Jason James, for providing Danny Be Cool once again with the Sportsaholic podcast. All right, Sean Conway, let's get into some NFL action here. Obviously, the big news of the week. Mr. Drew Brees is now the all-time touchdown leader. He broke Mr. Peyton Manning's record of 539. He got his 540th touchdown. Uh, that went to tight end Josh Hill on a five-yard play. He would get number 541 to Taysom Hill later in the game. So right now that record sets is Breeze, Manning, and Brady sits just one under uh, Manning right now at 538. And real quick before you chime in, the really the cooler thing is we knew Drew Brees at some point, even with the injury that happened, we knew at some point he was going to eclipse this. The real cool part about it is how he did it. He, While he broke that uh, record, he also set a new NFL record of completion percentage. He was 29 for 30, Sean Conway, meaning he hit 96 0.7% completes. That is the best all-time minimum 20 attempts. And it's incredible. He's had a great career. 
on top of being the the passing touchdown leader, he's also the all-time passing yards leader. He's got now the, the best completion percentage rating, you said. And he's just had a great career. Tom Brady is closely behind. I don't think he'll pass him this season. Tom Brady's sitting behind, one behind Peyton Manning at 538. He'll probably t- pat he'll most likely pass Peyton Manning's this season, but he will not pass Drew Brees barring some crazy, you know, heated run in the in the next, you know, 2 weeks. Yeah, and I would doubt that would happen. I would think at this point they'll probably limit uh, Tom Brady's uh, play going forward. You know, obviously they're a playoff team and they're looking for Brady to be healthy and ready to rock and roll as he always is. Mm-hmm, I agree. Anyways, Tom Brady and Drew Brees both will be playing in the playoffs this season. They both have uh, clinched spots in the playoffs and uh, it's going to be a crazy. It's going to be a crazy year so far. There's a handful of teams still on the hunt. We got the Ravens who have clinched their division. Yes. The Eagles, not the Eagles, the Patriots who have clinched a spot in the playoffs, playoff berth, along with the Seahawks and Green Bay. They both have clinched playoff berths, while the Chiefs have clinched their division. Buffalo Bills clinching a playoff berth. New Orleans Saints clinching their division, and San Fran. Also clinching the playoff berth, still in the wild card spots right now. As of as of week uh, through week fifteen, Pittsburgh, Houston, Minnesota, and Dallas all in these spots to have a wild card game. But there's a lot of teams in the hunt, aren't there, Max? Well, yeah, I mean, there's some teams in the hunt that still can get in there, such as like the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to need to win this week, Sean Conway. They have a huge game versus San Francisco. Uh, you got to look at this as probably one of the top three games of the, of the week. We should kind of get into it a little bit. Uh, if you're the Rams, you have to win, and you're pro- and you got to hope that Minnesota loses to Green Bay this week. We'll talk about that game in a minute. Uh, this is a big game for Jared Goff, who has just under 4,000 yards passing. He's got 17 touchdowns versus 15 interceptions. So if I'm the Rams, I'm going to go with the Todd Gurley impact. He's done a really nice job over the last five or six games running the ball if you're the Rams you want to run the ball both defenses are giving up about 115 yards rushing a game so this is a good opportunity for the Rams to run the ball with Gurley and hopefully collect a uh, victory or otherwise they will be out yeah the Rams they need the Vikings to lose out really they need them to lose the Packers this week and they need the Bears to win against them and play spoiler next week to be able to secure that spot Minnesota, they're looking for a chance to take the division yes. while they play the, the Packers this weekend. We'll get to that in just a few moments. But on top of that, the other NFC team still on the hunt would be the Eagles. They would need the Cowboys to lose out, meaning they would beat them this week. And then the Cowboys to lose to Washington would really just seal the deal. But really, the, if the Eagles can beat the Cowboys and then beat the Giants next week, which shouldn't be a problem, Eagles will take the NFC East. Yeah, that one will be... Either way, I don't really care as much about the NFC East because whoever gets in should be a one and done. That's my that's my, exactly. that's my thought. 
they probably won't make it past the wild. No, like game. you said, but like you said, Minnesota hopefully getting in. If you really want to look at it, you got to look at this game. It's going to come down to quarterback play. We all know Aaron Rodgers. He's been phenomenal. 24 touchdowns versus just two interceptions. But, hey, Kirk Cousins has 13 more yards passing, and he's got 25 touchdowns versus just five interceptions. This comes down to which quarterback can play better. I really actually like uh, Kirk Cousins at home this week. I just got a sneaky feeling. All right, well, you know, fingers crossed because as Bears fans, especially after this past week, we need to see the Packers. Yes. I don't know if we could take it. No, no, I can't take any more uh, beating from them. Uh, Last, Mm -hmm. Let's go on the AFC side of teams who are still in the hunt. The Tennessee Titans, they kind of still are in the running despite losing to the Texans this past week. That they'll their uh their hopes really lie on the finish of Pittsburgh. If they can, if Pittsburgh loses out and the Bucks beat the Texans on Saturday and the Titans beat the Saints on Sunday, there could be a very good chance the Titans make the playoffs. Yeah, I would like them too. I think they're a better team than Pittsburgh too. Nothing against Pittsburgh, but you're not having Big Ben moving forward. You're gonna have that Devlin Hodges who's played well at times, but had a four pick game last week. I think it'd be more fun to see Tennessee and see Derrick Henry, who's a great running back, and I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Ryan Tannehill make a. a a playoff push. We talked a little bit him about his numbers on the show last week, Sean Conway. So that'd be pretty cool. I agree. This would be really weird. Cleveland is still in the hunt. Yes. For the playoffs. Barely. Barely. They are. It, it. They have no chance really to beat Baltimore this weekend. But if they could pull off the upset this weekend against the Ravens, and both Tennessee and Pittsburgh lose out the rest of the season. And they beat the ba- and and the Browns beat the Bengals week seventeen. Which is very likely. The Browns will be in the playoffs. Very far God. fetched, but the Browns will make the playoffs if that could happen. Well, it's it. it it would be interesting to see, but hey, either way for Cleveland, they're going to have to start putting a little bit more uh, muster on that roster. Everyone thought they were going to be a you know eleven to thirteen win team. Like you said, at best they crack eight and eight and maybe make the playoffs. Just maybe. Weird news, by the way. Speaking of the Cleveland Browns, I did see a headline. I didn't read the article, but Odell Beckham Jr. had reportedly said that he's not going anywhere, leading towards that he wants to stay with Cleveland now which has just been a weird back and forth between them this whole last couple of you know weeks of the season. So we'll see how that happens. Like we said earlier in the in the, uh, in, the in the past couple of weeks that the Browns have said if he wants to go, we'll be happy to oblige at the end of the season. So we'll see how that ends for them. There's one more team still on the hunt though, and that's the Oakland Raiders. They're the most far-fetched. They would really need to win out, and they would need Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Tennessee to all lose out. I don't know how that yeah. happens with the really bad Bengals. The Browns winning would in Week 17 would eliminate the Raiders' chances, along with any any of the other teams having a single win throughout the rest of the uh, of of this. So it's going to be very far fetched for the Raiders. Would be cool to see them make the playoffs in their final season in Oakland before they make the move to Las Vegas, but it's very unlikely. There's a handful of games, a lot on the line this weekend in week 16. All of them have very big divisional implications on them. Yes. And hey, you know what? New, uh, the Buffalo bills still have a chance. 
uh, at the division. Think about it. if they can go into Foxborough and beat New England, they'll ha- have the exact same uh, record at 11 and four. And who knows the following week what happens? Again, who knows? Again, the Patriots might pull a few of their players, you know, right before the playoffs. So it, you know, there's a chance. There's a, you know, there's a chance that uh, Buffalo could eventually top New England, which would be crazy. And it's crazy. Think about Buffalo. They had 17-year drought and uh, for the longest time, and now they've made the playoffs in two of the last three years. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool to see them. And plus, you know, when you ever see the Empire fall, that'd be nice to see Buffalo take the top spot in the division for once. I think New England's won the division, like, how many times in the last I think it's, they've won decades? 17 out of 18 of the last 18 with I want to say one I want to say the Jets won once. Wow. Insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. insane. So that one very well could decide the AFC East. Now let's move on to the big game in the NFC North. Like we were saying, Minnesota sitting at 10 and 4, Green Bay at 11 and 3. If they can hand Green Bay their fourth loss of the season and you know, if they were to beat the Bears, to win out the season, they could be the top dog in the NFC North. Hey, I'd rather have that than Green Bay, as you uh, stated earlier, as Bears fans. Anybody but Green Bay. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers. I hate the man. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just. It's I, getting I'm, old. I'm, Story's I'm getting old. old. I'm getting old. It's getting old. I think I saw he's 18 and 5 against the, against the Bears uh, in his record. Jesus, <laughs> we really, we really stink when it comes to playing Green Bay. That's a true, it's a true shame. So yeah, I'd like to see the narrative flip here. Even though I'm not a big Vikings fan, I definitely would rather see them do it again. I like Kirk Cousins, another guy I really like on that team. Uh, Sean Conway's Daniel Hunter, who's got 13.5 sacks and that's third best in the National Football League. So look for him to get some uh, pressure against Rodgers this weekend. Exactly. And the final big game we have this week. The Rams hoping to stay alive as they face the arguably one of the best teams in the NFL right now in San Francisco. San Francisco wins. That could potentially lock them the number two seed. And that's if Minnesota beats Green Bay. And then the Rams, like I said, they're just hoping to stay alive. Right, like I said before, run the ball with Gurley, run the ball with Gurley. That's the only way you're going to run. You're not doing it with Jared Goff, who's got 17 touchdowns and 15 picks. All right, so there is a look at the playoff picture heading into the final two weeks. Seattle Seahawks going into the final two weeks. They'll be down a wide receiver. Josh Allen suspended indefinitely yet again for drugs. He's been tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. I don't think I saw a report on exactly what it was or if there's been one released at all or anything. But I'm going to guess. It just said drug use. Yep. So I think with this suspension, it's likely to be his last stint in the NFL. I'd agree with that. It's the fifth time that he's been suspended for drugs, uh, specifically uh, performance-enhancing drugs or marijuana. Uh, So I just, you know, five strikes, you know what I mean? It's a sad story. This guy's truly a drug addict. He really can't. Uh, be out of you know he can't stay in recovery for very long it's a true shame it happens to a a lot of people so god bless him and his journey uh going forward i agree anyways we'll take a quick break here on the sportsaholics podcast on the flip side of this we're going to talk all things nba and nhl you're listening to the sportsaholics podcast with max zucker and sean conway 
It's tough to quit smoking. Just ask any of the 50 million Americans who continue to puff away, even though they know the toll it takes on health and longevity. When it comes to breaking this habit, the most effective tool is willpower. The American Cancer Society now offers a free video for those smokers who feel they can't quit alone. Call the American Cancer Society today at 1-800-ACS-2345. We are back here on the Sports Hogs podcast. Returning to bring you all the action in the NBA and NHL this time around. We'll start off on the hardwood. And actually a little bit of uh, off the uh, off the court news. Former commissioner for the NBA, David Stern. He's in critical condition right now after an emergency surgery for a brain hemorrhage. Stern was at a restaurant in Manhattan on December 12th when he collapsed. And paramedics were called to the scene to take him out. He has had the emergency surgery and remains in critical condition so we wish him the best here on the podcast and hope for a speedy recovery yeah obviously david stern pretty good guy overall i enjoyed him for some of his for some of his tenure during his commissioner but either way god bless we hope for a speedy recovery for the former commissioner uh sean conway it's also trade season the trade deadline isn't until february 6th of 2020 but it's always fun to have a little early speculation on trades if you had a dream trade or a trade that you'd like to see happen what's something that makes sense or you know or maybe doesn't make sense but you just want to shoot it out there for some fun well you know trade season like you said is open it opened up just a few days ago i think on monday is when the official opening to trade season really was and there hasn't really been any big trades in the nba and like five months i feel uh and it's kind of just been quiet so i'm expecting some you know some big moves some little moves some teams just looking to unload one of those teams looking to unload i believe would be memphis they think they'll they're trying to be putting andre Iguodala on the move i know a lot of teams might be interested in him. i think both the los angeles teams might want to fight for them i know they expressed interest in him earlier in the season however i believe dallas will be the landing spot for Andre Iguodala. Along with Iguodala, I think the Grizzlies will be looking to unload Jay Crowder and uh, the kind of the bust and G League level talent now in Josh Jackson. He was once the fourth yeah. overall pick, kind of just right. have a bust career, and I think they'll be looking to unload him as well, send him to off to someone else's developmental uh, program. Yeah, that's not a bad prediction. I think at this point, if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers at 6-21, and you're tied last in the Eastern Conference, it's probably time to get rid of Kevin Love. He's a good, solid veteran uh, power forward in the league, and I think he would be a great addition in Miami. Uh, he would be a nice piece instead of uh, Myers Leonard, who's an okay player with the Heat, but uh, obviously a guy like Kevin Love would really help their chances. I don't think you'd have to trade too much for him. I think probably you know a lower level first round pick and you know a mid type second round uh, pick should get the uh, deal done. All right. Well, so those are what we'll have to look for throughout this trade season in the NBA. We're going to flip the script now and move on to the slick stuff again and talk a little bit of hockey. Max, what do you have? Well, the Coyotes, it seems like we just keep talking about them show in and show out. Well, they made a huge move uh, the other day. They brought in Taylor Hall. Uh, Taylor Hall was the 2018 Hart Trophy winner. 
Uh, last year, if you look at the Coyotes, they didn't have 120 goal score. And currently this season, they're 24th in the league, only scoring 2.63 goals a game. Again, he had over 50 goals uh, two years ago when he was the 2018 winner. He's a heck of a player. I like this guy. He's going to play on the team's first line. He actually played last night, uh, Sean Conway, against the San Jose Sharks. He made an impression. He played 18 minutes and 22 seconds on the ice, which led all the uh, centers and forwards. He had one takeaway as well as an assist. And I don't think they really had to pay too much for him. They, uh, the Coyotes only lost a 2020 first-round pick, a third-round pick, and two uh, low-key AHL players. So I think this is a great deal here. It really shows uh, we've talked a lot about their ownership, Sean Conway, and the Coyotes' ownership is really showing uh, that they want to contend, that they want to be here. This is what they said. That this wasn't for them to be making money. They want this team to be successful, and they're, uh, they're making the moves to do so. They definitely are. That I mean, that's a big move, and for yeah. not a lot of cost. So I mean, they're going to be bringing in. I feel with that kind of talent, they're going to be more able to bring in other talent through throughout the league, either in free agency in the off season, or hell, even if people pick them up in you know other trades throughout the uh, the rest of the season. We'll see how the rest of the, the year goes for the Coyotes. Starting off the new year, the Chicago Blackhawks will be looking to in, reinstate assistant coach Mark Crawford. On January 2nd, that follows his suspension for the past month and uh, the investigation that went into it, into his past physical abuse allegations uh, against former players that he had. Crawford had apologized for his unacceptable behavior, what he had referred to it as, and says he will remain in counseling. This kind of goes along with a lot of the things we've been talking about the last few weeks, I feel, in our NHL part of this block. With a lot of the coaches who have gotten into uh, you know sticky situations with how they have handled themselves yeah I mean exactly I mean that's why they got to have these new types of codes of conduct I mean you gotta you gotta tighten the league up a little bit here it's going for this uh, Mark Crawford uh, coming back you know I, I'm all good with people getting a second chance I just hope he uses his second chance to the best that's all I'm gonna say on that I agree. I agree. Very cool. Let's take another quick break here on the Sportsaholics podcast. We got a lot of moves to talk about in the MLB. We'll have all that and more next on the Sportsaholics podcast. You're listening to that with Sean Conway and Max Zucker. We here on the Sportsaholic podcast recognize those who have unique disabilities. One fun and fantastic way to showcase those talents is by joining your local Special Olympics squad. Through Special Olympics, you will learn to be part of a team, add additional skill sets, learn the true definition of sportsmanship, and most importantly, have some fun. So become an athlete, become a coach, become a volunteer, be part of Special Olympics. Welcome back to the Sportsaholic Podcast with Mr. Max Zucker and Mr. Sean Conway. Sean, this is an insane one, one that I didn't know that would ever come to be true. But Major League Baseball is no longer going to uh, punish players for marijuana anymore. It is off the tested substance list, and I think it is a great decision here for Major League Baseball. I'm sure it's something that the NBA, NHL, and NFL will be looking into as well. Um, Why would anyone do drugs when they could just mow a lawn? There's a lot of motives behind this. Uh, You know, 
there's a couple state regulatory things. I really want to take a look at it, though, from um, the opioid usage here in America, which the Council of Economic Advisors estimated that the cost of opioid abuse in, in the United States are about $2.5 trillion in that type of abuse. So they're way less, you know, trigger happy with marijuana. They're saying, whatever, we're going to treat it like it's alcohol. If we think it becomes a substance abuse issue, we will go for treatment. Uh, but not suspending the players. That's not what they would want them to do. It would be a voluntary, you know, uh, treatment program that they would have to complete uh, if they feel like the amounts that they're tested for are above the uh, current level that Major League Baseball has in place. But if you remember this summer, Sean Conway, Tyler Skaggs, the Angels pitcher who died from a mix of alcohol, fentanyl, and oxycodone, uh, those fentanyl and oxycodone are opioids, and that's really where baseball wanted to put its uh, attention to. Is that they want, you know, they really wanted to figure out that part. They don't care about the pot anymore. It's more about getting to those nitty gritty, really bad drugs. And you know, obviously, after the death of Tyler Skaggs, I think this is a great way for Major League Baseball uh, to move forward with their uh, drug protocol. I agree. They're kind of. I think they might be setting the standard for the other four or the other three of the four major sports. Because you know, if you really think about it, there's 123 teams across the four major sports. Of right. that, 45 of them play in states where it's going to be recreationally legal. Five more could be added to that list at least come January 1st with Illinois legalizing marijuana recreationally starting at the new year. And on top of that, 56 of the teams play in states where it's at least medically legal. So, I mean, that's 82% of these teams. So yeah, why punish players for doing something that could potentially just be a legal thing for them to be doing? I think it's a good move. It shows they're moving in the right direction. And maybe other leagues will, uh, you know, will be the next domino to fall on this. I, th- I would really hope so, Sean. And again, you know, the, you know, you can still get in a little bit of trouble for it, but it's not, again, you're not going to get suspended. You're not going to be out a whole season. They're going to do some type of treatment program with you. I think this is truly just the right direction for Major League Baseball. I'm happy to see it. Uh, let's get into some of the um, contracts that have happened this week. Right after the show, Sean Conway, last week, Mr. Anthony Rendon, of course, would sign just an hour after we got off the cast. He would go to the Angels on a two-year, $245 million, I'm sorry, seven-year, $245 million deal. That's $35 million a season. None of that money is going to be deferred. Uh, obviously, you put him in, next to Mike Trout in the lineup. Him and Rendon are going to be wrecking it together. My only question about this move, Sean Conway, this is what i got to ask you. So you have Rendon is going to count for $35 million. Again, none of that's deferred. you got Mike Trout... Uh, uh, you got Mike Trout here who's making, you know, 30-something million. So for those guys combined, and don't forget you got Albert Pujols making $29 million. That's um, right there. That's what I'm saying. It's $100 million. Let's just call those three guys $100 million. And they still don't have any, you know, notable names at pitching. They brought in Dylan Bundy earlier this year, who's maybe a number four, more likely a number five guy at best. And, again, we've made this point before. They didn't have a guy throw over – 100 innings in their starting rotation last year. That's terrible. They obviously need to get some pitching. So I, I, do you think it's a good move that they spent this money on Rendon as an elite bat? But again, they have Dylan Bundy, who might be their best starter right now? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. They needed to find someone who would go good with their rotation, be another strong arm for them, because right now, pitching is what killed them. Right. Literally, the whole Mike Trout thing is you have the best player in the league. He can do a lot of it. Again, Rendon's a nice compliment piece, but if you don't have a legit ace out there, it's not going to happen. I don't, right now, uh, Fangraphs has uh, Angels currently sitting at maybe about 82 wins, which is about 500 right where I see him. And the guy that should have gotten, Sean Conway, I thought this was an easy one, especially after him only signing for $85 million, and that's Madison Bumgarner. He spent... Um, 85, yeah, they spent 5 and 85 on him. Uh, 15 million of that's deferred. It'll be paid in $5 million payments in 2025 through 2027. So he'll reap in 4 or 5 and 70 right now. I think it's a good move here for the Diamondbacks. They have a lot of good young pitching in their rotation right now with guys like uh, Alex Young and Luke Weaver, Zach Gallen. Those, that's a pretty, you know, adding a guy like a Bumgarner is a pretty good piece. I like the a couple of their veterans they have too, and Robbie Ray, who might be now trade expendable and might be able to offer them uh, more pieces to this current Diamondback roster now that they have their big-term ace in Bumgarner. Exactly. And, and, and honestly, I, I was reading that Madison Bumgarner, his number one choice to go to was the Diamondbacks. So, it's pretty interesting, and it's nice to see that he's going to a place he wants to play, and we'll see how the rest of his career pans out. I'm not sure if after five years he'd play much longer. He's he's in his mid-30s already, isn't he? No, he's only 30, so that's the whole point. I think a lot of people, you're like the eighth or ninth person when I've talked to about Madison Bumgarner this year who keeps, you know, he's been around forever because he came up at age 21 on that first Giants squad team. But no, he's only going to be 30 years old this season or 31. He's still relatively worked to me a five-year deal, and what you were saying is right. He wanted to go Arizona. Do you know why he wanted to go to Arizona or why that was his top choice. No, what's that? Uh, he has horses down there. He has uh, real estate and he has some horses down there and he really wanted to be with his horses every day. So, so he's Arizona. got his horses in the back? I got the horses in the back. Yeah, literally he's got his horses in the back. Uh, but yes, I think this is a good deal. 5 and 85 I actually think is a steal for the Diamondbacks and I thought he was one of the most underlooked pitchers this year. Uh, one more pitcher to discuss here, Sean Conway, and that's Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber heading from the Indians to the Texas Rangers. Kluber, not that dominant last year, only made seven starts due to injury and had an ERA of 580 in those seven starts. But if you look at the uh, previous three years, he's been an all-star. He's either been third or first in the Cy Young voting. This guy, to me, if he can come back, he's an easy rebound uh, candidate for the comeback player of the year. I'd like to see it happen for him and in exchange going from the Indians I'm sorry going from the Texas to the Indians will be uh, center fielder Delano DeShields Jr. He's a nice little bench piece who has some good speed off again off the bench here for Cleveland going forward and they brought in Emmanuel Clace a 21 year old pitcher this is the really the the big chip name here for the Indians. They're getting a 21-year-old pitcher who went two and three with an ERA of 231 in 21 games and 23 in a third innings pitched last year. Sean Conway and he's got six years of team control, unlike Kluber, who has this year and, a, and an option for next season. Yeah, it's a decent trade. So we'll see how it works for both teams in that one. Texas, 
And they had a kind of a, a weird, uh, weird happening at, during their their stadium remodeling at, at their uh, at Globe Life Field in Arlington. There was a fire caused by sparks from the welding, and it made a fire break out, damaging up to two thousand square feet of the roof over there on the retractable roof. However, the contractors don't think that this will delay the opening for their opening day game. In a, in a you know just a short while a few months away so that is good that is all the news yes. we do have to bring to you for the mlb we're going to take a quick break on the sportsaholics podcast and the flip side of this max is going to have trivia i'll have my drink of the week and we'll tell you what's coming up next week on the sportsaholics podcast you listen to the sportsaholics podcast with sean conway and max zucker Sportsaholics podcast is powered by the Snowball Ice Microphone by Blue Microphones. The Snowball Ice Microphone features an audio condenser mic capsule, which delivers a rich, detailed audio you'd expect from a professional studio, making it perfect for recording music, podcasts, live streaming, or even dictation. The Snowball Ice is an easy plug-in-and-play USB microphone that doesn't require any additional software to be downloaded. Just plug in, and you're good to go. Snowball Ice by Blue Microphones. Welcome back to the Sportsaholic Podcast. It's our final block here, Sean Conway. It's been a good show. We've had a lot to discuss. And the first thing we discussed was the Heisman, Mr. Joe Burrow. Let me give you a few more interesting stats here before I get into my trivia question. Uh, Joe Burrow received the highest percentage of votes ever at 90.7. He had the largest margin of a Heisman win since O.J. Simpson did so back in 1968. He had 841 first-place votes um, compared to Jalen Hurts, who only had 20 first-place votes. wow. Yeah, that's 1,846 points more than the second guy. This is how historical he was. Now, this is the biggest historical piece in my trivia question for you. Joe Burrow, besides doing those two things, also had the highest percent of total ballots at 95.5%. So that's first ballot, second, and third ballot, Sean. He had the highest percentage of total ballots at 95.5%, giving him, again, the best of all time. Can you name the next five guys in line in terms of ballots, total ballot percentage? feel like Marcus Mariota had that record at one point. He, he did, actually. He had it a, He's number two, and he's the only other guy to have over 95, 95.16. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, other Heismans. Couple. Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You're I good. process a lot of Heismans, don't I? Yeah, one running back and three more quarterbacks on this list. Okay. Um, give me a school. Uh, how about if I gave you the school, it'd be a little bit too easy. Um, but sure. How about Oklahoma? Oklahoma? Yeah. You should get these two. Two. It wasn't a recent one, was it? How about two recent ones from Oklahoma? Really, both Baker and, uh, and Kyler. Uh, what's his? Kyler Murray. Yes, sir. Kyler Murray, number four on this list, with a ninety-two point oh three percent, and Baker Mayfield in twenty seventeen ninety-one point seven percent. This other guy, Sean, did it all the way back in two thousand and six. He was a quarterback in the Big Ten. 
That's Troy Smith. Yes, Troy Smith, number three, did so, eclipsing 94.8% of the total ballots. Last guy did this all the way back in 1998. He's uh, So of these guys who I mentioned, they're the only six guys, too, to top 90% plus of the total ballots as well. That's why I asked this trivia question. So he'd be the last guy. He's a running back. And, uh, you know, Major League Baseball just uh, gave this guy his favorite thing. <laughs> Huh. If that's a clue for uh, you, or open this up. <laughs> uh, 1998. I'm trying to think. I know it. It's on the tip of my fucking tongue. Excuse me, my language. Ricky Williams. <laughs> Smoke weed every day. Yeah, there Ricky you go. Williams. Ricky Williams with the weed comment there. I figured I, that one would be easy enough. 90.8% of the ballots. So, again, all of these six guys topped 90 percent plus of the total balloting in the Heisman so that's a pretty cool list good job Sean Conway with that overall um what do you have what are you drinking on what's that drink of the week sir last week I had a uh, a pretty upsetting holiday beer so I'm going to try to see if uh maybe Samuel Adams can take the cake for uh, a holiday beer I, I got the Samuel Adams white Christmas it's listed as a white ale with holiday spices and it's a um Excuse me, it's an unfiltered white ale that's mm. blended with holiday spices, including cinnamon, nutmeg, and orange peel. Familiar citrus and wheat characters of the ale complemented by the warmth of the spices for a festive brew that's perfect for the season. I don't know, it's a little sweet for mine, for my liking. It is very citrusy. Okay. Is it Christmassy, it though? Like it's, it's, it, it's a wheat beer. It's a mm. Belgian wheat beer. Okay. It's already orangey. So picture a blue moon with an orange in it. <laughs> Great. So I'm getting more Valencia is what, what you're telling me. I, I'm not really seeing the holiday cheer in it. I mean, if the cinnamon and nutmeg are very faint and the orange is very dominant in this one. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, it, it, boasts, it boasts an ABV of 5.8%, so you can't argue there. Okay. I got... About five and a half of these to kill, and I think on my off day I might be able to easily do that because it's a, it's a light wheat beer. Yes, yes. Well, at least you'll be able to kill them off. Uh, again, we talked about holiday beers. Generally, you know, there's been a couple good ones that I've tried, but normally I'm not big on the Christmassy beers. For whatever reason, the nutmeg or the cinnamon, whatever they try to put in the beer, just isn't, isn't my uh, style overall. But enjoy uh, drinking those uh, on your day off. Nonetheless, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll try my best. So, looking ahead, actually, before we look ahead to next week, there was a couple bit of news that I wanted to throw in there. Legendary high school coach from TC Williams, Herman Boone. You know the name yeah. from Remember the Titans. Titans, yeah. He unfortunately died this morning at oh, wow. the age of eighty-four. And actually, he was the third member of the Remember the Titans team from that year, from the nineteen seventy-one team. Two pass away this year. We had Julius Campbell passing away earlier in the year at the age of, I believe, 65 due to organ failure. So that's upsetting. Julius Campbell, he was the, the, the captain for the team. And also the defensive coordinator who was his, uh, I mean, to say this in, in the situation because it was an integrated school, The his white counterpart, the defensive coordinator, Bill Yost, he died the age of 94 earlier this year. And, I mean, it's just been a hard year for T.C. Williams. 
Yeah, yeah, and we all, like you said, well, we've said this four deaths that come in three, so three for this year, um, no goody. I got a death to talk about too, Sean Conway, and that's Hayden Fry, the longtime Iowa coach who held, who led uh, Iowa for 20 different seasons. Fry went 143-89-6 at Iowa, including in 96-61-5 in Big Ten play. He led the team to three big championships, sparking three Rose Bowl appearances and a couple appearances in the top 25. Uh, earlier today, uh, hot, current Hawkeyes coach Kirk Ferentz had this to say. He said, Hayden Fry is a, co- is a college coach icon and an Iowa legend. And I think that's all that needs to be said about Hayden Fry. So, our uh, our, us on the podcast extends the best to the Fry family and uh, the Hawkeye Nation. Exactly. So, well, let's move on to what we can expect for next week on the show. We'll recap maybe quickly the few unimportant bowl games of the <laughs> bowl season from this past week. And we're going to have an early show, hopefully, before, the, before we take a holiday break. So, yes. we'll lead you into the holidays with one more podcast next week. So, we'll recap the first week of college bowls bring you previews probably on the playoff games because that'll happen before the following podcast and then uh the last week of the nfl you know we have week 16 now and we're gonna see who's left and who's still in the hunt for the playoffs we'll bring you the latest in the mlb in the nba and nhl and we'll dive deeper into the mlb offseason you know like i said it's just a few months away actually it's 99 days away from today will be opening day Wow. For Major League Baseball. Wow, that's a good way to close that off, Sean Conway. That's a, that definitely inspired me. Hopefully we'll see yeah, some more trades. Uh, trade season should be coming around here for both NBA as well as during the offseason for Major League Baseball. So we'll get those signings and trades in. And for anything else sports-related of importance throughout the podcast, Sean Conway, it was a pleasure as always, my dear friend. I will talk to you next week for the podcast. Jason James, thanks for providing your music once again. And, of course, to the fans and listeners of the podcast, we appreciate your support week in and week out. We could not do this without you. Until next weekend, I'm Max Zucker, and you've been listening to the Sportsaholic Podcast. Oh,